Well, good morning, Orchard Hills. Welcome to everybody in this very full room. Welcome to those who are watching online. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, my name is Sutton Wirt. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's an honor to get to be with you and to open God's Word together. Well, today we are going to continue our exploration of Jesus's surprising, uh, very countercultural message uh, that's come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Um, and if you haven't been with us, we started a couple of weeks ago uh, looking at how Jesus calls his disciples uh, up onto this mountain. And so there's this, this Roman road that's busy with traffic in front of them, uh, different cultures and kingdoms of the world colliding and, and trading, the Sea of Galilee where commerce is happening. And up above all that, Jesus tells his followers of another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that transcends all of those worldly kingdoms that's really an upside-down kingdom to all of those value systems of the kingdoms of the world, and he invites them into that kingdom of heaven. And he begins by showing them the surprising identity of those who are in this kingdom. He says it's not the, the wealthy, the well-to-do, those people who have it all together, but it's the poor in spirit. It's those who are mourning, those who are struggling, those who are persecuted, who are truly living the good life according to God's kingdom. And then last week, Scott walked us through uh, who these people are and how they're supposed to be in the world. They are to be salt and light, uh, pushing back darkness, preserving the truth in a world that is dark and decaying. That is who they are. They're salt and light. And so what Scott shared last week was the, the end of the introduction to the sermon. And so now today we begin the body of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're a structure person and that's helpful for you to think through things, then we've got that here for you on the screen. Um, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount is the first 16 verses, which we've concluded, uh, the surprising identity of the kingdom citizens. Today we begin the body, so the main chunk of Jesus's message, and this will be Matthew 5, 17, all the way through uh, chapter 7, verse 12. And Jesus there is really answering the question of how. How do we be salt and light? How do we be this different kind of people? How do we live in this world uh, and in this new kingdom of heaven? And then the conclusion is Matthew 7, 13 through 27, the choice that we all must make. So that's a, a, a broad outline for you. Hopefully that's helpful for you as we think about the Sermon on the Mount. So as I said today, we begin uh, the main body of the message, where Jesus will essentially give us his thesis statement. And so in our, our time today, we're going to see that Jesus is offering us and inviting us into uh, something that is much higher, that is much deeper, that is much more beautiful than we could ever attain on our own. Uh, through this uh, time today and through the sermons in the weeks to come. Jesus is going to up the ante. Um, he's going to expose our hearts, and he's going to show us a way of being different that is totally different than what we expect, uh, a way of being different that we could never achieve, that we could never accomplish on our own. And so the point is this, that we must have Jesus in order to be different. To be the kind of different that Jesus is calling us to be, we must have him. He is the only way. Amen. So that's where we're going. All right, well, let's look to the word and let that direct our time. Uh, like I said, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 20 is where we'll be today. 
Um, this, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, we've got some Bibles under the seats in front of you. It's on page 959 of those Bibles. So I'll read and then, and then I'll pray for us. Um, and even now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd help us to understand your word. So Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. That was the scriptures they had at the time, the Old Testament. He said, I'm not coming to do away with that stuff. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, the smallest Greek letter, not a dot, the tiniest stroke of a pen, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, these are hard words, um, and you never cease to uh, challenge us and to pull us deeper. Lord, I confess, even as I was studying this this week, I was um, at times confused by the complexity of what you have to say, but Lord, you are the master teacher. Um, you are the one who enables us to understand the mysteries of the world and uh, the insights of your word and the way that we were made to live and the way back to the life we were made for. Jesus, you are the way. And so we pray that you lead us now by your Holy Spirit. Open your word to us. Help us to understand. We want more of you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so there are two words uh, here in this passage that I think when we hear them, the one we don't understand and the other we just don't really like. Um, and those words are righteousness and the law. So let's start with righteousness. Righteousness is a very important word in the Bible. It's all over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament, and it has a very rich and multifaceted meaning. Um, to boil it down, though, the two most basic meanings of righteousness have to do with relationships. And so the first one is the way that Paul would most commonly use the word, uh, talking about righteousness as a declaration of us being in right relationship with God. Um, that through not our own efforts, but through the blood of Jesus and through faith in him, God now declares those who are his followers as being in right relationship with him. Even though they've done wrong, even though they've messed up, they're now in right relationship with God. That's uh, the primary meaning of righteousness in the scriptures. Um, but the second meaning is, is equally as important, and it's the way that Jesus often uses the word. Um, and it is a way of life um, that does right by other people, um, doing right by others. And so you can think of them as this kind of cross where our relationship with God, when we're made righteous by him, it then makes us the kind of person who wants to do right by other people, who wants to live righteously. Um, and for both of these things, we need Jesus to work this in us. So uh, righteousness is a rich and important word, and it's going to be important as we keep going through the Sermon on the Mount. The second important word here in this passage is the law. Now, when we hear that word, I think a lot of us are just like, Ugh, the law. Uh, we don't like being told what to do. We don't like limits on what we can do, when we can do it, how we can do it, any of those things. We don't want people telling us what to do. I mean, 
We're Americans, for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> rebellion's in our blood. Um, and law is not a word that I get excited about, and I bet that it does not send a, a flutter of warmth and happiness through your heart either. But surprisingly, and, and what is surprising about this passage is that Jesus here is saying that he's all about the law. He, he says, I didn't come to toss it out. I actually came to fulfill it. He says, it's more eternal than the ground that you're walking on. And he says, if you relax any of these commands, you're going to be called least in my kingdom. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, I thought you were all grace and peace and chill vibes. Like, this is not what I expected to hear from you. What are you saying? So essentially, I think what Jesus is saying here is this, that we all have these different ideas of, of righteousness and doing the right thing and what it looks like to, to be good people. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 come up here. It is way more than you think it is. This is what God has intended as the way of life that has lived rightly. This is what I mean when I invite you into the good life. This is the kind of wholeness I'm inviting you into that I am inviting my kingdom citizens to embody. This is how I want you to be different from the world. And it's so much more than, than we would ever uh, expect it to be. It's a higher bar than, than we would expect. And so Throughout the rest of the sermon, Jesus is going to basically contrast two kinds of people and say, don't be like either of them. Um, and on the one hand, it's the religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees. And on the other hand, it's the Gentiles, uh, those who aren't Jewish, the, the pagan people who kind of live without the law. Uh, and right here in this passage, Jesus is telling us to be different from both of them uh, in regards to the law and our attitude towards the rules and commands that God has given us. So we've got a slide for you. Um, I think we generally fall into one of these two categories, either the, the religious or the rebellious. Uh, and those categories are broad, and maybe at different times in your life you've been in different ones, um, but I, th I think we generally kind of are tempted these different directions. Um, so on the one hand, you've got the religious, the, the scribes and Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Uh, they're marked by self-righteousness, legalism, and outward obedience. Outward obedience. They, they built extra laws to help them obey God's law. They, their standards were super high, but it was all external. And so later in the book of Matthew, Jesus is going to say, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs that you paint the outside and it looks good, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. They had an external righteousness, not an internal one. And then on the other side, we've got the, the rebellious, the Gentiles, those who might be marked more by unrighteousness, lawlessness, disobedience. Um, they didn't have the law and they didn't care. They were very low on the Jewish righteousness scale. Um, they were the ones considered unworthy. And then in the midst of, of these kind of opposing sides and a whole variety of other attitudes towards the law, in the midst of this, Jesus comes in and he says, hey guys, just so you know, I'm not tossing out the law. And so the Pharisees were probably like, oh, yeah, this guy's on our side. And then he says, but if you want to enter my kingdom, your righteousness has to be way better than those Pharisees. And they were probably like, oh my gosh, what is this guy saying? Like he, he just teased them up and then he knocks them out. Um, and so what Jesus was saying would have been shocking. I mean, the Pharisees and the scribes, you could think of them as like the pastors and the Bible nerds. 
Um, they were the ones working the hardest, looking the holiest, uh, apparently closest to God. And, and so if you have to be better than them to get in, then, then who can get in? Who can get in? Well, the key, I think, is what Jesus said to start this passage. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. And so what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus fulfills the law? First, it means this. Jesus teaches the law rightly. So you see, the Jews had all these different groups, and the Pharisees were just one of them. Lots of different groups with different interpretations of the law. Lots of different people saying, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you do what God says. Um, And Jesus is like, no, 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 you guys have it wrong. The, the standard's not here, it's here. It's not just being cleaned up on the outside. God wants righteousness in your heart, not external, but internal. He wants you, and, and this is what we're going to see in the weeks to come. Jesus is saying, God doesn't want you to just not murder people. He wants you to not have hate in your heart. God doesn't want you to just not commit adultery. He, he wants you to not have lust in your heart. God doesn't just want you to love your neighbors. He wants you to love your enemies. This is a a radical transformation of our hearts that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus is saying, this is what God meant the whole time. This is the fullness of the law. And so Jesus teaches the law rightly. Here's the second thing. Jesus lives the law perfectly. So in the rest of the book of Matthew, after Jesus gives this incredible sermon, he then lives everything that he's taught about. Uh, He is someone who mourns. He is someone who is persecuted. He is someone who loves his neighbor. He embodies the law. He does everything that God commands. He doesn't sin with his actions, but he's not just externally sinless, but he's internally sinless. He doesn't sin with his mind or with his heart. He loves God's law, uh, which is what the author of Hebrews attributes to Jesus when he quotes Psalm 40, verse 8. He says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. That was who Jesus was. Jesus loved God's law, and he fulfilled it and obeyed it perfectly. And then finally, number three, Jesus accomplishes the law totally. So as he's teaching and as he's preaching and as he's living out God's law, Jesus is also accomplishing all of the promises that were in the Old Testament that were pointing forward to him. This is what he means by fulfilling the law and the prophets. Everything that was prophesied, all of that expectation that was building through history, all of, all of the signs pointing forward saying a Messiah is coming, a deliverer is coming, there's a new prophet, a new priest, a new king, he's coming. Jesus is saying, that's me. That's me. Which is a really bold claim if you're not God in the flesh. But Jesus was, and that's exactly what we believe. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He accomplishes the law totally. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, that's cool and all. Um, glad that Jesus did that stuff, but what does that mean for me? Well, that's a great, a great question. Um, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, and here's the point. Without Jesus, we are stuck. We are stuck. Uh, We're stuck either in our sin, being rebellious, like the Gentiles, or we're stuck in our legalism, like the Pharisees, being self-righteous and religious. 
And maybe you've tried both of them in your life, but without Jesus, you will be stuck. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Without Jesus, there is no hope. And Jesus, this is what he's doing in the sermon. You know, you've got all these different Jewish groups who are interpreting God's law different ways. And some of them are like, well, the standard's here. And the Pharisees are like, well, it's up here. And and Jesus comes and he says, no, the standard's here. This is, is the fullness of what God wants humanity to be. This is the whole and holy life that I want for you, that I'm calling you to, that I'm inviting you into. And yet, hearing this, and as we hear in the weeks to come, God, the fullness of God's holy standard, these, these people listening would have probably been crushed. And you too, as you listen, as we go through this text, we probably will feel a little crushed. Like, who could do this? Who could live this way? How could we be this different? Later on in Matthew, Jesus will say, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so the answer is this. How can we be that different? How can we live this way? Only through Christ, the one who fulfills the law. He is the one who fulfills the law. And so he is how we live that way. So you see, Jesus not only taught the law, lived the law, accomplished the law, but he did all of that for you. He did it for you and for me. He died a death that under the law, he did not deserve to die. The law says, cursed is everyone who does not abide by the words of this law. It's in Deuteronomy. And so Jesus didn't fall under that curse. He kept the law perfectly, but every one of us have not. We have fallen short of God's holy standard. And so Jesus, in dying for us, he bore the curse that you and I deserve, that he did not deserve. He took our place. He died the death that we should have died. He suffered the separation from the Father that you and I should have suffered. He dies in our place, exchanging his righteousness for our unrighteousness, his right relationship with God, his doing right by other people. He exchanges it for our unrighteousness. And so Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin." the one who, who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, do you see it? He is the narrow way. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way back to the life we were made for. He is the way back to wholeness. He is the way back to the heart of the Father where we can be again in right relationship with God. And not only that, Because that's what we often preach. I hope if you've been coming here, you've heard the gospel that that through Jesus, you can be in right relationship with God. But it's not only that. It's also this, that through Jesus, we can then be enabled and empowered to be people who live in right relationship with others. That God not only saves us, but he also transforms us. And he begins to recreate us and make us whole from the inside out so that we become a people who actually are righteous who actually do right by each other, who actually love one another from our hearts. Jesus died for nothing less than that, to make you and I new, whole people in right relationship with God and right relationship with others. That's good news. Amen. Amen? 
How many times do we say, how many times do I hear people say, I just wish I could be somebody different. I wish I wasn't this way. I, just, I wish I didn't struggle with this thing. Friends, Jesus is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants to heal us and change us from the inside out. Jesus and Jesus alone is how we become different from the world. Through him is the only way to be different. And so now, as his people, if you're in Christ, like Paul says, then you really are different. You really are different. Even though you don't always feel that way, even though you're struggling with areas of sin in your life, you are who Jesus says you are. You are different. You've been justified by faith in him. And now you are not relying on your own power to live in right relationship with other people. And so the people that you're struggling with, the sins that you're struggling with, you have God's power. You have the life of Jesus, his perfectly lived life inside of you. You have his spirit leading you and guiding you and saying, calm down. You get out of the way. You can't beat that sin. Let me beat it in you and through you. Let me live through you. That is what Jesus offers us. He came to fulfill the law and he does it in its fullness on our behalf. Amen? Amen. So through Jesus, now you and I have a greater righteousness. We can enter the kingdom because we have a greater righteousness, not not of ourselves, but one that Jesus has spoken over us, a a, a declaration of being in right relationship with God by faith in Jesus. And not only that, but a greater righteousness that really does good to other people, that does right by each other because God's changing our heart from the inside out. Now, through Jesus, we have uh, what Paul calls the law of the spirit of life that sets us free from the law of sin and death, which means that your sin doesn't lead to condemnation anymore, that there's forgiveness and freedom. And it also means that your sin doesn't have the last word, that you don't have to sin, that you're not a slave to your addictions and your hangups and the things that are still hanging on, the stubborn sins in your life, Jesus offers freedom from. You've got the law of the Spirit at work in you. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, it's all yours. And Paul says, against such thing, there is no law. That is all that Christ offers us. Now, through Jesus, we have a real inward obedience. And we're not bound to our disobedience or to our outward obedience, but he begins to create in us a new heart that wants to obey, that wants to do the right thing, not because anyone's forcing us to, but because we love to do the right thing, because we love God and he's writing his law on our hearts. Friends, that is good news. Good news for all of us sinners and sufferers and screw-ups. That is good, good news. So the point is this, that Jesus is the only way that you and I could ever be different. He is the only way. And so we want to look to him together. Amen. So my conclusion is this. First question, do you have Jesus? Do you belong to him? Does he belong to you? Are you in that right relationship with God? Faith in Jesus is the only way that you can be in right relationship with God, that you can be saved from your sins and from the consequence that they deserve. Do you have Jesus? And then the second question is this, are you letting Jesus live through you? Are you allowing him to create right relationship 
with, between you and others, with people that you're struggling with, with sins that you're struggling with? Are you allowing Jesus and his spirit to recreate you? And so the third and final question is, will you pray this with me? Just one sentence. Jesus, give me your righteousness. Jesus, give me your righteousness. Can you all say that with me, if you're willing? Jesus, give me your righteousness. Yeah. Because whether we don't know Christ and we need to be justified with God by faith, or whether we do know Christ and we're struggling with these these relationships and sins, Jesus is the only answer. And he wants to keep pouring into us, giving us his righteousness, making us holy, making us whole, exactly the kind of people that he made us to be. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we say again, give me your righteousness. Lord, we cannot be different without you. We cannot be the people you're calling us to be. Lord, this vision of life that you're giving us in the Sermon on the Mount, it's astounding in its beauty, but it it can be crippling too in in how how far short we fall from it. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you've made a way uh, for us to be justified by faith, that, that you cover our sin, that you forgive our shortcomings, that you uh, have obeyed fully. And I, your righteousness has been credited to our account for all of us who have placed our faith in you. And so, Jesus, we say thank you. Lord, if there's anyone here who hasn't received that gift, who hasn't turned to you in faith, I pray that they would now and say, Jesus, give me your righteousness. And Lord, for all the rest of us who are just struggling, (laughs) who are following you, but messing up in all kinds of ways, I thank you that you don't uh, look down on us, that you don't give up on us, but you want better for us. You want to continue that good work of changing us from the inside out. And so I pray that we would let you, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, just as you command us to do. Lord, that we would want nothing more than to be the kind of people that you've already spoken over us that we are. Thank you, Jesus. Please give us your righteousness. Lord, I don't understand how you do this, how you make hearts new. I don't understand the magnitude of the grace that you've poured out on us, but we want to receive it. So Lord, let our hearts be open. Let our hands be open to receive whatever you have for us today. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.